0: With Daniel Minnick. Hello and welcome to Truth Espresso. I am the host, Daniel Minnick, and we are continuing a discussion here at Truth Espresso with Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth podcast, right here on the Christian podcast community. Truth Espresso is a member podcast of the same community that Prescribe Truth is and so I am very excited and honored to have Jamal Bandy back with us on Truth and this episode is part 2 of a discussion with Jamal Bandy and if you haven't listened to the last episode I would highly recommend it we talk about theology especially Jamal's escape from a cult, a oneness apostolic cult, to the truth as he studied the Word of God that raised questions against what he was taught and how he came from the idea of work salvation to grace alone through faith alone, the tenets of the Reformed faith, and he also got out of the understanding of oneness or modalism that God is one person who was the Father in the Old Testament, was Jesus in the Gospels, and is now the Holy Spirit during the age of the church— to the historically orthodox understanding of the Trinity and how God is loving, that the love of God is manifest by the fact that God is Trinity, and that the Father actually loved and gave the Son as a substitutionary atonement to die in our place. And the last episode, we looked a little bit about that, about Jamal's understanding of that, and how that without the Trinity, you don't have a true incarnation of the Son as Jesus Christ, and therefore you don't have a true substitute to provide a proper atonement for sinners. But now, this is part two of the discussion, and we are going to get into political topics, mostly cultural topics that Jamal has encountered and how he has shifted his understanding a little bit of things, such as his understanding of what is called race relations, over time and how he goes against the grain with some of his brothers and sisters by rejecting things like social justice and critical race theory, so Jamal, if just if you have some time, we'll switch uh, topics over to uh, some political cultural issues okay. Let's see. So you've heard of critical theory and what's now called systemic racism. Can you explain that, like from your perspective, your understanding, and maybe even if you have any experiences related to this?
1: Okay. so from my understanding, critical theory uh, is basically in and of itself is just dealing with the idea that there's a um, there's two classes, you know, simply put the haves and the have nots, Um, you know, those who, you know. Have more, and then those who are poor, you know, and they're put as basically like there's a, a, an oppressor class. So the, it had nothing to do with race in the beginning. Um, I actually had a chance to read uh, Karl Marx of uh, Communist Manifesto, and I haven't read all of it yet. But as I'm going to read it, basically the issue there when it comes to critical theory is this idea that everybody should be making, uh, should be earning on the same level, not not, not about opportunity but outcome. So that's where I see the critical theory. It's just showing that there's this gap, this disparity um, between classes. But now we have it getting into uh, something called critical race theory, whereas now it's not about classes of people because when it was classes of people, it was whites against whites, you know, so to speak. Uh, it didn't matter what color you were. It just, as far as what your status was, uh, where now it's dealing with race, you know, as far as ethnicities. So one ethnicity seems to get a better uh, deal than, the, than, one, than another in this ethnicity. So in a lot of the cases we talk about now is Blacks versus white. And so, um, my, so that's my critical theory as just in the simplest form. Now this works out in the systems in like what's put in place and who gets taxed, who doesn't get taxed, and who owns businesses, who doesn't own businesses and all those things. Just wealth and pass down generational wealth versus those who have the quote unquote scrapped and, and claw through life and don't really have an inheritance to leave behind for their for the next generations and so on and so forth. And so you have all of that, just, just dealing with class. But here on the race end of it is basically, you know, what people group you belong to, you know, who basically um, had the, the better lot in life based on, you know, who their ancestors were. And so, um, yeah, and that, that goes into, I think a lot of that came from dealing with uh, America during the transatlantic slave trade. You know, a lot of people try to assume that America was racist in the beginning, like you know, like there was always this way in the beginning as far as the classes. But that's not so, not necessarily. Not not so.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because it used to be not too long ago that different political factions would even at least try to appeal to what are called the founding fathers and say like, well, they would agree more with our view rather than your view. But now you have statues being pulled down and the whole idea is history doesn't matter anymore at least we're not supposed to regard history as something that shaped anything positive it's more like okay what we learn from history is just bad and then we can get rid of it all and basically start history anew from scratch basically with the the critical theory from what little i've read about it of course you did mention it it comes from marxism and that it's basically like you can't interpret or even theorize without looking at history as far as here's the oppressor class and here's the oppressed class and that's the lens through which you shape your policy in the present and then you mentioned that now we add the word race to it so now you have critical race theory Going on now where it's really an extension of Marxism, unfortunately, where people are tying the fight for or at least the perceived fight for racial or ethnic equality, but it's really to implement a Marxist policy basically centralized policy to control things like taxes or punishing inheritance or you know even forcing people not to be able to have certain kinds of professions to level playing fields so why Is this something that the church should be involved in? I know a lot of churches, you know, even evangelical or reformed churches are implementing this in some of their sermons, like they feel like they have the duty to preach about critical race theory, so... Do you think this is something that the church should be involved in, should be promoting? Or how should the church be handling these issues? Should they just ignore them? Or should the church implement them in their sermons?
1: Well, it definitely shouldn't be ignored. For years, this has been like a topic that's been coming up. But no, it definitely shouldn't be ignored. But it shouldn't be implemented and it shouldn't be promoted because it comes off a false premise. You know, the premise is faulty. The issue that they that people who stand on the side of social justice is claiming that there is an injustice that is socialized. <laughs> they, they they redefine the term what social justice is actually about. You know, and social justice in itself is about critical theory. Everybody having the, uh, equal outcomes, you know, this communist idea. But they changed it to mean social, like we like we socialize, therefore our our social engagement is jacked up because of injustice, right? And so this, this is what we should be focused on, but that's a bad premise because what they consider to be injustices aren't all injustice. A lot, a lot of the things I remember on um, Eric Mason, his book, woke church mentioned how an injustice i of just giving one example, one injustice he named in his book was fatherless homes. Well, that is an injustice in a spiritual sense. by father's not taking part in their children's lives. Right. But that's not a An injustice, an injustice based on race. Like, this is this is the white man's fault or this is something the church as, as a whole can fix. Like we can't fix fatherlessness. We can we can preach the gospel to a father who is abandoning his family. Right. Mm-hmm. and Call on him to repent and, and have him go and be a father to his children. Right. But that's the gospel at work but we can't we can't put a policy in place. There's no law the state can put in place to make a father be a father. And if you tell a father he's going to go to jail or have a fine for not being there, well, they already have that, called child support. And so it's like, you're not there. And so if you have to go to jail, it's not going to change them not being in a child's life. You know, I can imagine a world where fathers are made or forced, basically by the law, to stay at home, right? And <laughs> they stay at home and the child, is, the child is there with them, but there's no interaction. There's no love. It don't care, cause the father don't want to be there. So a law can't change the heart of a man. And so, but he called that an injustice. And I was like, that's that's not an injustice in the sense where you talk about we should protest. How are you gonna protest fatherlessness? And another injustice, bringing it out of the home. Another injustice that he named was the fact that black people don't get loans, or black people can't get loans. And so that's something to protest about. But there are so many factors as to how you even get a loan, you know. And businesses have the right to refuse to give a loan. Based on the risk that they're having to take, I know my credit is not the best. i would be surprised if a company wants to take a risk to give me thousand dollars. You know, if I get if I get four hundred dollars, I'll be good, <laughs> because I, my credit is not good. They don't want to look. They look at my credit history. They look at my payment history. They look at all of that, and that determines a lot of that. And I remember having a conversation with a brother who thought that this was a race issue. And I said, I said, you go to a loan office. How can you really, like, if you say that's an injustice, how can you prove that you was denied a loan because of your skin? Like, unless they told you flat out, we don't serve black people here. But what is the reason that they say you couldn't get the loan? What was it? Can you prove that it was, it was race and related? Because it gets me, and I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, Daniel, but it gets me because back in the times where there was actually like social injustice in that way, and there was laws put in place like Jim Crow and everything else, it was blatant. Mm -hmm. Black people did not have to guess whether or not somebody was racist towards them. White people didn't have to question to themselves and say, am I truly being racist to them? Because it was blatant. It was clear. I don't like your skin color. I don't like you because of your skin color. I don't serve you here. We don't want you here. Mm -hmm. But now you don't have anybody saying we don't want you here. We don't have anybody saying we don't serve you. But we're going to assume that because I don't get what I want. Yeah. I'm oh,
0: sorry. That's, no, that's a tangent. No, it's oh. it's definitely, <laughs> it's, it's definitely food for thought. And it brings up the kind of like the, some of the, questions i was thinking about because it seems like (laughs) as a whole the country has made great strides in really becoming colorblind um you know remember martin luther king jr's you know i had a dream speech that people would talk about a lot for decades that he said that he had a dream that people would be judged not by the color of their skin but by their character and and so you know it's not Birmingham Alabama 1968 anymore but some people seem to think that it is and we've made incredible strides at becoming colorblind but now with critical race theory um, and Black Lives Matter things like that it's almost like it's time to segregate again because we can't be allowed to be colorblind anymore like being oh I mean my wife recently took a module like she she has to get some credits for her midwifery profession. She has to take um, these modules to keep uh, continuing education. And she took one that had to do with basically repenting of whiteness. And the whole thing was critical theory and kind of a postmodern interpretation of things so it was drilled over and over again i watched as she was taking this thing and the outline the slides that say race or ethnicity was had nothing to do with skin color well then you know why is there all this outrage going on over things you know like the death of george floyd have had nothing to do with that it seems like on one side it has some to do with it and then the other side they want to say that well it really has nothing to do with skin color it has like whiteness is defined by certain actions certain kind of type of culture and basically all the midwives there were giving their testimonies i mean it seemed like they were giving salvation testimonies in a way about how they came to grips with the idea that they were wicked racists and they didn't even realize it, and they were repenting of their whiteness, and it really you know it wasn't that they were actual racist in the historical sense they're they're repenting of you know like the protestant work ethic and stuff like that like that's all whiteness and that's racism and you know they had to completely embrace a postmodern understanding of everything to be correct and unfortunately it seems like this whole critical race theory is another form of salvation to compete with the gospel because (laughs) The way it's proposed, it's like you have to have a salvation experience in it, but unlike the gospel— The gospel unites people no matter who you are, no matter what your skin color is or your culture. That We share the table of the Lord together, and it's it's not based on who you are. You don't celebrate it differently based on who you are. So the gospel brings people together, unites, but then the gospel of critical race theory intends to divide people, and you have to enforce certain cultural understandings of things. And that you have to recognize what is so-called whiteness and what is so-called blackness again, and we're we're losing the color blindness that I thought thought we gained, and I thought that was an improvement. But unfortunately, you know, that's not the goal anymore.
1: <laughs> well, I w- and I, and I would say that I don't think the, the goal should be to be colorblind in a sense. Yeah, but that, because the thing is, we can enjoy we can enjoy. <laughs> our, you know, as far as who we are oh, sure. <laughs> you know, the things that expect those things that aren't sinful, because see what makes it different, what makes it difficult in a lot of areas like that because cultural is a lot of our cultures mm-hmm. are in, um, are surrounded with sin, mm-hmm. you know, like far as like what they do and why they do certain things, you know, they're sin related, mm-hmm. you know, so those are things we don't want to embrace of course. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean the type of food you eat, you <laughs> know, What you may like, but I may like. I like soul food. And I, you know, and you like soul food. I'm pretty sure you <laughs> like some soul food. <laughs> yeah. I like Mexican. Yeah. You know, and I, I I don't think I had no true authentic Mexican yet, but I would love it. And you know, and everything else, like we can enjoy what comes from each other's cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, and but what's what's making it an issue when it comes to color is because they are making as if color makes you um, makes you a monolith. Like if you if you share this color then all of you gotta agree mm-hmm. and think a certain way, you know, no matter your backgrounds, how you grew up and everything else. Like, I remember I made a video on YouTube about uh, what is the standard of blackness? Like, what does that mean? Like even whiteness, like I remember Ikeminate uh, Uwan, she said that uh, whiteness is wicked. You know, whiteness, she said whiteness is rooted in thievery and, and pillage and everything else. I'm like, that's, those are sins. Mm-hmm. That's not, a, a there's a sign to that. God said thou shalt not steal. God said thou shall not commit murder. He wasn't just talking to white people. He's talking to everybody. You know, so it's like what is the definition of blackness? What is blackness? And then somebody would say, What well, kind of music you like? Well, I don't like a lot of music that a lot of black people like. You know, and I like music that a lot of black people won't like. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like like what is the standard and who holds oh, it? Yes. You know, who who holds the standard of what is blackness and what is whiteness and what does it mean? Yes. You know? And no one has an answer for that. You know, it's like, and I'm like, and, who, and if somebody does have a standard of it, then who, what makes them the same? <laughs> yes. You know? And so it's, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't equate. You know? And that's what I've been looking for is, like, okay, make it make sense. And so I'm okay with, you know, with saying, hey, our cultures, okay, let me go, kind do want to go on a tangent, but I remember when I was on the fence about this, Daniel, I don't mm-hmm. years ago. And my understanding was, like, why, why isn't, the hip hop culture being represented in reformed churches like we we are we are singing all these contemporary songs and these hymns and stuff like that but what about the gospel hip hop I mean that's some good christian hip hop songs that are you know solid in their theology and everything you know and they make it bounce a little like what's wrong with bouncing a little you know like that's that's part of our culture that's how that is though know, like that's what we do like what's wrong with incorporating that in worship like why can't we have that happen you know uh and so <laughs> and I remember. Thinking of like, man, that's you know, that's 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 a sign of like a disparity here. Like, why, you know, like what's wrong with that? And I'm and I'm on the fence about this. But the more I thought about it, I was like, man, there are and my church is multi like multi ethnic. Like, there's different people from different places. And I'm like, what would that look like if all of our like if all of our ethnicities had be represented in one single church service? You know, Mm -hmm. man, I'm like, one that'll be a long church service. You know, (laughs) we 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 gotta make sure we play an Asian song. It goes crazy you gotta make sure we play a Hispanic song and get an interpreter so we can all can get along with it. You gotta, you know, I mean and and all Asians aren't the same. So we have someone, you know, so we have someone from China, we have someone from from Thailand, you know, like what we, what does that look like if we're talking about real diversity in that sense? And I I remember a little thinking about that and I was like, man, I've been I grew up in black churches and I thought about like, so that means the black churches who sing their, their Negro spirituals, you know, now I gotta sing some contemporary music too. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to bring in some extra stuff too, and those church services are already really long. So not even gonna be super long, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm, and I'm thinking about it just on a realistic level; like that doesn't work. And so, what I came to realize is that, well, I think um, Baldy Bakum explained it really well. He's like, God defines how worship should be in His churches. And he defines worship, right? And Scripture talks about you know singing songs and you know uh, spiritual hymns and all those things, singing, singing hymns and songs and, and those things. And so, we follow along with Scripture on those but and I'm just talking about from what I dealt with and the music isn't representing your culture so you think it should be like is that the main thing? The music? Like is that why we go to church? Is that, is that why we worship the Lord? Because my blackness has been represented? And like that's like it doesn't work. That doesn't fit. You know and that's when I began to think about like I don't know if this, re- this really makes sense and I started to kind of back up a little bit you know and then the more I dove in and realize what the arguments were and what was being said is like, wow, it's like it's taking away, it's taking us more and more away from the unity that we're supposed to have in Christ, you know, off of small things. Like now it's the issue of who serves as elder. So you have too many white people serving as elder, you need some black people serving as elder. But what about the Asians? What about the Mexicans? What about like and why would you put people in place just because of the color? Mm-hmm. Is that how Paul instructed Timothy to choose elders? Did he say go and pick elders? You know, two elders for for these churches based on you know the ethnicity and make sure you get one from uh, Samaria and the other one from another place. No, he gave him he gave them character qualities that they that they must have, <laughs> and they were good to go. Yeah, you know, it's so I don't know that <laughs> it, it it just was it just was bogus to me. Like this whole that whole idea, and when the church is buying into it and caving in, it's insulting. Like uh, Matt Chandler when he said that he'll take uh, basically an African American seven over an Anglo eight. It's like so you basically choose the African American even though he's less qualified and he's not going to do as good a job as, as the, the Anglo would, but you will pick him just because he's black. That's an insult,
0: hmm.
1: you know. Like no, like I don't I don't want to come to your church and you're just going to just settle for whatever because somebody's black and if I got to hear a subpar message. You know, or somebody's not taking as much time to study. What a case may be, or not working as hard. I doesn't know as much. Like, I want to get the most out of my out of my worship service and to hearing the word and growing. You know. And so now there's a black man who's an eight, as he was saying, and versus I'm like, well, go for it. You know. But that that idea of affirmative action is is beyond me.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, and like. You know, you mentioned Vody Bakum I have a tremendous love and respect for vodi Bakum My wife and I have watched his videos and I'm like, man, it's hard to get much better than this. I mean, he's like, what, he has like adopted like six kids. You know, he has eight kids. He's mm-hmm. faithfully married. He's like a champion in jujitsu. And like, he's uh, a <laughs> hardcore in doctrine. He moved to Af- Africa, um, is Zambia. Yeah, i think it was and you know he's like a head of the seminary there like wow he's he's an impressive guy you know it's like i mean i what i like about him is the fact that he is african-american and he has such a an incredible pedigree there and you know he's got the qualities even regardless of his you know his ethnicity there but right <laughs> so
1: and there, and there are a lot of cases like that, and that's what mm-hmm. made, that's what got me. Because how can you say that blacks don't have this when there are blacks who do have it? And you say, well, they they're an exception. Well, in in Jim Crow, there was no exception. Mm-hmm. There was no exception in Jim Crow. You know, when areas where Jim Crow was in place, like there was no exception. Everybody got the same. Everybody, you was disliked across the board. It's it's systemically, so, as I mean. So like you were you weren't finna vote. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But you you know you have people who who do well, they're Blacks, and got, you, know, you got millionaires who are Blacks, you know, billionaires who are Black. You know, it's mm-hmm. so, like successful men and women who are Black throws this whole narrative off because if it's true for one, then it has to be true for all. And so it's, it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that got me, and I'll, I'll say this much, when um, this idea of America as far as always being this way, I remember having a conversation with a brother dealing with the three-fifths of compromise. Mm. And so how he basically was like America always seen us as three-fifths of a person. Hmm. And um, and I remember I had did some research on that prior to that conversation that um happening, and um I, I was excited to, to get into it. I was like, man, I wanted to share with my brother this truth. And what I realized concerning the three-fifths compromise, because I was always taught that my dad used to tell me that growing up, you know, like they all married always thought of you as three-fifths of a person, they didn't think you was a whole person. And I believed that growing up about the three-fifths compromise. And so even as a Christian, I was like, well, that was a, that was a mistake of America. You know, like that was their, their heart, you know, looking at us that way. But when I actually researched what the Three Fifths Compromise was and what the intentions of the founders were in the midst of that, I was like, wow, they actually were looking out for black people, you know. And um, <laughs> it's like the Three Fifths Compromise didn't say we were three-fifths of a person. Basically, the South wanted to continue slavery. The North didn't, you know, well, those in the northern colonies because America was only 13 colonies at the time. And so you got these 13 colonies, but the majority of them, which are the North, they don't want slavery. The South would do, but America don't want to be the type of country where uh, one side rules everything. Like, they got, we, there has to be checks and balances. Like, that's how they wanted it to be. So they wasn't, they wasn't going to say, no, we don't agree with you, South, so we're going to do our own thing. They wanted to be united, but they wanted to have a compromise. This is what we do with compromises. And so the South had more, had more uh, people as far as population go, because of slavery, and so they said, "Hey, we can't allow you to count all your slaves as far as um, population goes because you'll have more representation in Congress and House Representatives. That's you know, we can't have that. You know, so all your slaves, all the slaves, we're going to count three of every five as a population. You know, as far as the population go, you can count three of five. That's it, and that's going that's going to help. I Man, that's going to uh, determine how many representatives you have in the House. Well." That, was, that didn't include all black people, Daniel. Which mm-hmm. blew my mind. Mm-hmm. That wasn't all black people. That were only black slaves. So all, were, and at the time of the, of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, there were free, free blacks. Mm-hmm. Like, all blacks weren't slaves. They were free men. And after that was signed and after that, that, that compromise was passed, blacks were still gaining their freedom over the years. And so what this meant was the South was losing power gradually over the course of years. Constantly losing power, where eventually, in uh, I want to say, uh, wrong, am only getting wrong. Uh, it was 1860. 1860, where they when slavery 65 went away, the slavery was uh, fully abolished. Hmm. But it, it took some decades, but it got there. Hmm. But that was that was in the that was the intention of the founders that we don't want slavery here, hmm. but we know we can't we can't just bombard the South with our ideas. And some people may say well, that was a coward move, but what would have happened? America would have been divided before it even started. You know, and so like they, they systematically put it in place that racism—not racism, but uh, slavery—would end, and they had that in mind. They didn't—they knew they wouldn't live to see it, but that's what they put in place. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that—that that can't—that can't, that means that the idea that America was founded on racism and founded on like founded on you know black people not being this and that this and that and the third or whatever—that's not true, not across the board. You know, and so it's like. We have to be fair about those things. I think what messes this whole conversation up with critical theory and the reality of things is because you have to pick apart. In order to have a conversation, we need to pick apart all these individual issues and things that took place and what what actually happened in history. And and then as a Christian, we know that sin is not a a nation can't sin, but it's individuals within a nation that sin. Mm So dealing with those individuals, and therefore America doesn't have a race problem. There are individuals within America who have a race problem, Mm -hmm. if they do, you know. And then those people who may be in place, you know, may be racist, and therefore they pass policies, put things in place, as we see today. What we have today, people who are in love with homosexuals, who find that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality, where they find themselves in office, what they do, they try to pass laws, They, they, they get gay marriage, okay, because they are in office. To do those things, and people who have who share the same interests as they do vote them in office, mm-hmm. and so I mean these are individuals to deal with, and I think this this whole argument about critical race theory and social justice and all of that stuff takes away from what the Bible teaches about sinfulness of man and the remedy.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. I talked about. On the previous episodes about democracy, so you want to check those out. Talked about the will, how people vote and pass laws and stuff like that. Um, So Jamal, like a a just a last quick question for you: Have do you have any experiences with say fellow black brothers or sisters that have been really critical of you because you don't toe that line like of? critical race theory or supporting black lives matter?
1: My only experience is that I get blocked, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, blocked or unfriended. I haven't had, um, and I've asked for conversations and um, there was one time where um, my brother did reach out to me as far as getting on a panel. And I I knew that I was basically the only one that shared my view. Um, But I, unfortunately at the time I was dealing with a lot of things and I couldn't take part in that panel. But so I probably would have gotten uh, rung out to drive in <laughs> if I was on there. <laughs> but uh, as far as my only personal experiences dealing with people who disagree with me in that regard. It's basically just, you know, we ain't talking. Mm-hmm. And I, mean, I think that's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, and, and that's because and that's the, the, the idea of this, that's the idea they all have. Even Eric Mason said, uh, he's like, you know, if you only people he's talking to about this is people who basically agree with him. You know, or who may have questions like you. Like you don't disagree, but you're on the fence. Like I'll deal with you because mm-hmm. you have questions, and but I'm not going to deal with you if you if you don't see these injustices, if you don't if you don't agree that that's is the issue out here. You know, that's a lot of their thinking. You know, and that's. But I'm I'm, I'm like as a Christian, like we don't handle no any other issue like that. Mm-hmm. Like we believe that God is real, and so we don't tell atheists. Well, we are not going to talk to you because we don't believe that God is real. So We're not going to discuss anything with you. Like no, we'll still sit there and discuss things with the atheists, you know, and try to and try to compel them and convince them or show them evidence of what case may be and pray for them and everything else. The same thing with Jehovah's Witnesses. And we don't we don't agree with you, but we're not going to tell you, we, you don't, not to talk to us because you don't agree with us. Yes. You know, it's, but it seems like with this issue, this is like the ultimate offense to God, because by this offense, we can't have no dealings. Like we can't we can't talk. You know, because we don't agree and they don't have the, as they say, they, they feel like they, they don't, they don't, uh, <laughs> they find themselves more stressed by having this conversation. You know, they don't want, they don't feel like it's a safe, a safe space, mm-hmm. you know, because it's going to bring trauma to them to discuss these issues and we don't agree on them and everything else. Like that's so cowardly to me. Mm-hmm. That's cowardly, you know, because I don't, I don't mind if you disagree with me. You know, this, the whole issue, the whole point is that we come together and you may not agree with me after we talk. But the point is that we come together and really flesh out what we're, what we're saying, because we're, we're being misre- misrepresented on either side. There's misrepresentations on either side. And the only way we can really see what's really consistent is by having that conversation. And then being honest with ourselves, if I find that I'm inconsistent, that what I'm believing is inconsistent, then something needs to change. You know, I'm viewing something wrong, but they don't they don't want to take the time to really see if they are being inconsistent, which, you know, of course, they are inconsistent. Hmm
0: amen jamal it's like cancel culture safe spaces let's not discuss debate um figure out truth it's more like my ideas are truth and don't bother me with the details and <laughs> so jamal about time to wrap things up here but uh I'd like to give you the final word to say what you want or, you know, uh, where, where can people contact you, get more information about you, your ministry, your podcast?
1: Yeah. So, so one, I would like to say, thank you so much, Dane, for having me on the show. I really greatly appreciate that opportunity to be on here and talk with you, um, to be on another, be on another podcast that has truth.
0: In <laughs> yes. <the name. laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, if anybody wants to contact me, you can do so. You can email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. You're welcome to visit the website, prescribed.truth.com, where you can have access to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, I would uh, ask that you all would subscribe to the YouTube channel and, um, you know, in the podcast as well. Let me know what you guys' thoughts are. If those of you who may listen to this and disagree, I'm open to criticism. You know, we can, we can have a discussion. I'm, I'm open to it. And, um and yeah, so I just thank you for the opportunity, man.
0: And thank you, Jamal. And there you go. That's uh, Jamal Bandy. I hope that you'll check him out and watch his videos. They're dynamite. Check out his podcast, Prescribed Truth. There's a lot of good stuff there, good theology. And now, Jamal, to end this episode, I would like to play the promo for your podcast, Prescribed Truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore laying aside falsehood speak truth each one of you with his neighbor for we are members of one another for his name's sake
1: What's up everybody, I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010, saved me in 2013, and in 2017, Prescribed Truth began. My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word while refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of of the podcast on youtube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found including the christian podcast community if you would like to know more about prescribed truth please visit my website at prescribetruth.com and remember this world is full of errors but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth blessings